0: What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 135 of the Talking Chop podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland. It's a much more fun episode on the way because, of course, the Braves won on Sunday evening. And, and as, of this, as of this moment, it is now Monday morning as it's 12.01 a.m. on the East Coast. But I'm joined by someone who's not on the East Coast, Joe Lucia, man. What's going on?
1: I need some kind of sedative or something. <laughs> that game was amazing, intense...
0: That was playoff
1: baseball, man.
0: Yeah, playoff baseball is. Uh, I you know not that we had forgotten because I know you you know you cover the sport even more than I do, big picture. But uh, yeah, there's. It's one thing to be objective when you're covering playoff baseball. It's a lot of fun. It's you know it's high stakes. It's you know decisions and the uh, all of the intrigue that goes along with it. And then you're, and then the team that you want to win is playing. Um, and. You know, I, I would say that I am um, much more media driven these days and not quite as pure fan experience. But then you throw the Braves in a playoff game where they're up five runs and try to and, and they're trying to implode. And it's uh yeah, I you know, no one, no one. I think I tweeted this like in the seventh inning. like No one in the building or in the city was comfortable. And that was it was fun when it goes well. And when it doesn't, it's not so much fun. But it went well on this night
1: yeah i mean the final result was obviously incredible but the way that uh the braves got there was so stressful especially those last four innings when they somehow held the dodgers scoreless despite it it really seemed like they threatened every inning and they just could not get that sixth run across somehow i have no idea how
0: yeah i still don't really know how um Honestly, but here we are. Uh, So what we've been doing here, basically, for those of you who might be listening for the first time, I understand a lot of listeners might not want to listen to a loss podcast, so I totally get that. Maybe you're jumping aboard for Game 3. We're kind of just going to go through everything that that happened in this game. I got some notes, um, talk about some decisions, uh, you know, obviously... In the end, um, the result was good, but this is, as people would probably know that listen to this podcast, we're probably more of a uh, process of results kind of podcast, so we're going to at least talk about the process, um, and we'll see what we get to. Um, early, though, I will say before we start, um, the crowd, um, I wasn't there because I, I honestly stayed back somewhat for this podcast. Uh, I had I had some Hawks coverage today as well. It was a full day of work for me. And as a result, I didn't want to be recording this podcast at 2am and um, trying to get someone to do this with me at 2am. So that was why I didn't go, honestly. But the crowd was apparently incredible from everyone that was down there. I'm not the biggest fan of the, tom- of the Tomahawk Chop in the world. I don't like that really. But um, aside from that, there was a lot going on. And apparently it was kind of a raucous atmosphere, which is fun. It was supposed to be the best crowd in the history of SunTrust Park. And apparently it was that.
1: Yeah, the crowd sounded awesome. They were loud. They were into it, especially after Acuna's Grand Slam. Everyone was going crazy. And, you know, that's the atmosphere that, like, the Braves and their fans, are us, I guess we'd say, uh, need to build at the park. Because, like, at Dodger Stadium, I was there at Game 1, and from the beginning, all game, it was loud. And you could see it getting in the Braves' heads. And the Braves need to have that home field advantage of the room and they can't just have, you know, fans sitting on their hands, everything echoing and so on and so forth. That did not happen tonight. It seemed like every pitch was just the crowd was living and dying with it. It just seemed like a really awesome atmosphere. So hats off to everyone that was there. Do it again, I guess tonight (laughs) now. And, uh, I know it's a, uh, mid afternoon start which really is going to suck for everyone but I yes. I really hope everyone is able to bring it for one more night.
0: Yeah, I mean by all counts it was a fantastic atmosphere and you know I mean and we'll, we'll talk about when, when we sort of get there but um when the Walker bueller meltdown was happening it did feel like the crowd was a part of that. You never know how much of it was the case but a young pitcher like that that couldn't throw a strike for 10 minutes um and the crowd was you know clearly quite loud audible on the broadcast like kind of rocking it and a guy like that clearly you know he was not himself in that brand that moment and you kind of want to give some of that credit to the crowd so shouts to everybody that was there including some of the talking shop staff i know eric was there doc was there a couple other people i wish i had been there too but uh a lot of fun all right oh by the way one more one more thing before we start uh, talking about this like nuts and bolts wise what do you make of the fs1 camera angle with like the extra zoom lens that i absolutely hate like, it's the weirdest thing in the world after you watch one camera angle all season long and FS1's like half zoomed in and you just don't have the same... Visions. I don't know. It's it's it was bothering me a lot. But at the end of the game, I got used to it, I guess. But the first few innings, I was like, what, what is going on with this camera angle? Right like now? it
1: it really confused me because like Fox airs so many baseball games right. a year, and, th- and then it comes in the playoffs. It's like, all right, we're gonna change everything up. And I almost felt like I was like watching a video game with how zoomed in it was. And like I just got a new giant four K TV, so the ads behind the plate, you could like <laughs> see them being like extra great. And it just really looked awkward and gross and I hope for tomorrow. They just go back to the standard uh, Camera angle and by the way just announced Mike Fulton is starting game four.
0: ooh! ooh I'm, I was looking to see if that would hit. Oh, yeah, there it is Grant McCauley and Everybody else. Ooh, I, I like this move. Let's talk about this right now before we start. Um, what do you make of this? I, I tweeted, I think it was about 20 minutes ago, that that was the play for me. As soon as they went um, to both Gosman and Freed in this game, uh, I was thinking it's got to be faulty, and that and that almost had to be the plan with the way that Snicker approached this game. But what do you make of that? Because I'm on board with faulty in game four.
1: I okay. am all on the faulty train, especially at home. I think he really thrives off that home crowd really well. And we've seen him just come out to the mound at home to shut teams down and i really think he can do that again and i'm really hoping he goes you know at least six because the uh the bullpen could really really use a rest
0: yeah i mean you know snicker used seven pitchers in this game on sunday night you know i'm sure they were prepared for that you know sean newcomb had some moments. We'll talk. We'll talk about that in a minute. But big picture wise, they used seven pitchers. The only guys they didn't use, you know, Tehran has not been used in this series, and it looks really bad at, at this moment to have carried Tehran in the uh, on the on the roster because he's not a person uh, that was necessarily setting up for a bullpen role. So to not use him at all as a starter looks bad in retrospect. But he's available. Obviously, you know, had jo- Johnny Benter's never never pitched in this game. There are a few guys who, you know, Brad Brock's available. They have some guys who are available that didn't pitch tonight, but, um, not everybody will be fresh. You'll, you'll see some guys two days in a row. Max freed. The experience was interesting this evening. Tukey pitched, uh, tw- I guess 29 pitches, uh, this threw 31 pitches tonight. I think he will be available, but he hasn't been great and been available on back to back nights a lot. And to throw 31 pitches from your, from your, I guess your de facto closer right now. Um, day before you play again is not ideal so yeah I mean getting more I think I'm definitely on board with generally keeping guys with a short leash um in the playoffs more so than a lot of people are but um Fulte giving you some innings tomorrow would be very very helpful
1: it's kind of weird the guy in the bullpen I have the most faith in right now is uh Ziggy Sabatka who wasn't even like uh he wasn't even on the radar in like August And now he had a strong September. He's looked really good uh, in his last few outings. He looked fantastic tonight. He only threw 12 pitches and got three pretty easy outs. I mean, that's the guy that I would kind of turn to the most. And I was actually saying this early in the game. I would not be surprised if they uh, had a couple of phantom injuries to the uh, guys in the bullpen that have been used the most and uh, subbed them off the roster for a couple of uh, fresh arms, even though, you know, Sam Freeman, Freeman, Carl Biddle, Winkler, even though they are gassed, they probably have more left in the tank than a guy like – I don't know, I don't, I don't want to say Tukey, but he's been used a lot in the past, uh, uh, in this series, and it just has not seemed like uh, he's been all there and completely effective, so I would not be surprised to see maybe him get subbed off. Freed's been used in kind of really strange roles, he's been used for one-out twice. Weiss. I yeah. don't know what the uh deal with him is. Uh and the rule is if you sub players out for injury, they have to miss around. So if anyone was subbed off the roster, they would uh not be eligible for the NLCS, but they would be able to come back for the World Series. And with Alex Anthopoulos, uh the Dodgers last year used a lot of DL manipulation, and uh now that he's running the Braves, they used a lot of DL manipulation this year, and it wouldn't shock me if that happened at all during the playoffs.
0: Yeah, it's something to look at. I mean, I, I I, think I'd probably bet against it, but at the same time, it would not surprise me either, given the way that uh, Alex Anthopoulos operates in general. All right, so let's go through this thing. Uh, we kind of go inning by inning almost. I mean, obviously, there were a couple of things that nothing really happened. Like the first inning, for instance, uh, was very, very quiet. Newcomb uh, induced a double play, and uh, the Braves the Braves saw five pitches in a 1-2-3 inning against Walker Buehler in the first, which is not ideal. But uh, the second inning was where sort of all of the uh, fireworks began um Newcomb again got a double play, you know, his second of the first two innings against Machado to kind of escape through the, um, and only face the minimum through two innings. So I think people were thinking that he was pitching better than he was because he got those two double plays. So before we get to the Braves stuff, what did you think of like the way that Newcomb was pitching because you know, he at the end of the day and you know, he he lasted until partway through the third inning. He he left with 23 balls and 20 strikes. He really didn't look very good. He just happened to get two uh, ground balls that were perfectly hit in double plays, which does help, and that's part of his skill set and part of his stuff, but I, I thought he wasn't particularly good. I mean, he was throwing hard, but I think they also had, had him kind of throwing in the way that you would have a guy throw if they if they thought he was going to be on a short leash, too.
1: Yeah, he was getting himself into and out of jams. Like He walked Machado on four pitches, he went 3-0 to Turner before he singled, uh, 2-0 to Bellinger in the second before he grounded out to end the inning, so... These Dodgers hitters just were not like making good contact to start the game off against Newcomb, and the Braves got lucky with a pair of uh, nicely turned double plays that kind of limited the damage, made Newcomb look a lot better than he was, and then the third inning came along, the wheels kind of fell off, and that was that.
0: Yeah, we'll talk about that here in a second. All right, the second inning was more fun, obviously. Um, A leadoff four-pitch walk to Marcakis, another... Uh, Johan Camargo, who's really struggling, had a bad plate appearance, and then a, a Kurt Suzuki strikeout made, made it seem like it was going to kind of die right there, but then Albies flares a single to center, um, Co- Cody Bellinger makes a meal of it, kind of, kicks it around, Marquez gets to third, Ozzy to second, they walk Culberson intentionally, which is the right play, considering um, Newcomb was hitting behind him, and inexplicably, I will say this, this is one of those, those results over process things, letting Newcomb hit for himself was really bad in that spot, in my opinion. Obviously, the four-pitch walk made it look better than it was. Um, in the moment were you anti letting newcomb hit for himself I'm, I, I didn't see if you tweeted anything about that
1: uh i wasn't just because it's the same thing Snitker did in game one when he had faulty come up to bat for himself in the third inning and then immediately pulled him thereafter just because the braves have such a short bench he doesn't want to burn a guy right away
0: the only the <laughs> only caveat being there that it was basic it was bases loaded this time and it was, wasn't faulty with nobody on or was somebody maybe it was a uh, corner like first. It was not basically yeah, first, but anyway. Sad. yeah. <laughs> but yeah.
1: It was a situation where, like, I mean, I can see why uh he kept him in, but at the same time, looking back at it, yeah, it seemed it seemed a bit ridiculous, but maybe he just wanted to get Bueller to work a little more, throw some more pitches, maybe make a mistake, which is exactly what happened so if you want if you look at it from that point of view, it worked out, but again, process over results
0: yep, that's kind of what that what that was, and obviously, you know, I tweeted that and made a big deal of it, and of course it worked out quote unquote um which is always it's always one of those fun things because moments later, obviously the four pitch walk which we just which we just discussed um the 3-0 pitch to Ronald Acuna, which was absolutely a ridiculous call, um, that should have been a walk and another run, and we were all angry at the time, and then, you know, seconds later, Acuna blasts the home run for the Grand Slam to make that call look uh, fantastic, in, in retrospect, if you're a Braves fan. Um, by the way, Acuna is now the youngest person in postseason history to have a Grand Slam, uh, passing Mickey Manuel for that honor, which is kind of insane, but, I mean... Just kind of a wild sequence. Very lucky in one way in that it should have been a walk and and another run. And then maybe the ending ending ends momentarily after that. But the way it happened was also incredible because Acuna doing what Acuna does and then also staring it down and kind of really enjoying himself on the base path, which which I think everybody likes. That's not the uh, people that are buried in the old school stuff. I really enjoyed him admiring it. Um, Obviously, everybody was very excited when that happened.
1: Well, yeah, of course. I mean, the Braves haven't had like a playoff moment in these two games until tonight, where you have the Acuna grand slam, then you have Freeman's homer, which were both awesome and we're going to remember for a while. There was nothing like that in the first two games, so just getting that one moment, even even if they ended up blowing this game, it would have been uh, it would have been cool to remember. But uh, just seeing that was a fantastic uh, memory for the memory bank, and also it. If uh, Bueller ended up walking uh, Acuna on that fourth pitch, that w- was most definitely a ball that was called a strike yes. for whatever reason. Even the broadcast,
0: reason. even the broadcast, which is a national broadcast that's not homerific, was in disbelief that it was called a strike. <laughs> Everyone was in disbelief. Well, well,
1: you say it's not homerific, but Joe Davis is the regular Dodgers play-by-play announcer. But I digress. That's what I'm saying. It's it's um, the
0: opposite. Like he was he was dumbfounded that it was not called uh, that it was called a strike, and he's not the Braves guy <laughs> like it was the, yeah it should exactly. have been even worse you know what I mean yeah
1: and like I will say like if he had walked Acuna he might have just continued to melt down and maybe hung another pitch to Enciarte that he could have thrown into the corner or something like that but just him you know being able to kind of clear the bases I obviously it's not a bad thing because the Braves ended up getting five runs out of that inning but if uh he did did walk Acuna, I think it might have the NCRT at bat might have looked a lot different.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's that's that's, that's a good point because we, we mentioned before, Bueller was really melting down, like could not throw a strike. That kind of weirdly seemed to settle him, the Acuna bomb, which is you know, I think the Braves will take that. Obviously, if you can go up five runs and the opposing pitcher settles, that's a good trade off. Um, and Bueller was very good after that. Um, Somehow, like, it was kind of dumbfounded. You look, you look up in a playoff game and you see a guy who's allowed five runs and he's still pitching in, like, the fifth inning. And it was like, why is he still in this baseball game? And then you realize that he'd been pitching well for about three innings after that happened. But yeah, a lot of what ifs when it comes to the second inning. But the end result was a five, five nothing lead. You know, longtime Atlanta sports fans were not comfortable, obviously. Um, I will say in the moment, the Dodgers were like plus 700 in terms of betting odds. Uh, there were a lot of, um, Signs that the Braves were like a 90% or, pl- or more favorite in the game. Um, obviously, that didn't come to f- fruition down the stretch here. Um, but, you know, fi- at 5-0 in, in, in the second, everybody was pretty excited. Um, then things get dicey in the third, sort of on, on cue perfectly uh, in terms of Braves' fashion. Uh, nucom you know walks his third guy in two and two thirds innings to put to put two guys on with two outs he finally comes out um but before we talk about what transpired after that were you okay with him yanking Newcomb in the spot that they did you know Justin Turner coming up the next batter he's very very great against against left-handed pitching um we'll talk about the results in a second but what did you think of the move when it happened when they took Newcomb out
1: yeah I mean I was totally in agreement with it you need to have a uh Short hook in the playoffs, especially, and Newcomb had just walked Chris Taylor on five pitches after going uh, 3-0 on him. His first pitch to Bueller was a ball. He went 2-0 to Grandall to start the uh, his at-bat, Kike Hernandez walk to lead off the inning. It was a 10 pitch at bat that started 2-0. He was just not getting anything across. And actually for the evening, he only threw first pitch strikes to 2 of the 10 batters he ended up facing. So, it, it it was definitely the right decision and I just cannot fault Snicker there. That was definitely the right move to uh pull Newcomb when he did.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. Obviously, you know, it didn't work out in the traditional way. So it it does go it does go both ways. You know, we're often accused of hating on Snicker. Um what There was one move earlier that we talked about that, you know, it's process of results. Um, This is one where the process was good and the results were bad, and that, that happens too. It's It goes both ways. You can have good results and bad process, and, uh, you know, good process and bad results, and here we are. Um, but Turner, by the way, just for some numbers there, Turner had a, has a 179 WRC plus this season against left-handed pitching, and in 2017 it was 206. For the last two years, it's like a, he, he has like a 185 WRC plus, somewhere in that range over two seasons against lefties. He's really, really good against lefties, and that is the reason to take him out. Um so Gosman Gosman comes in. Um, interesting decision there as well to bring in the starter in the middle of the inning, which I want to ask you about here in a second. But Gosman. Because up the single to left field, Acuna boots it. Um, and if it had been anybody else but Acuna, you would have heard a lot more about that. But obviously Acuna had just hit the grand slam, so uh, the heat wasn't quite on him. But boots it to allow a second run. Um, Gosman did manage to sneak out of the rest of the inning, which is uh, very, very nice. With a strikeout over uh, against Manny Machado, that proved to be pretty pivotal down the stretch. Um, what did you think of going to Gosman rather than like a traditional reliever in the middle of the inning? Because that was a big talking point, especially on Twitter.
1: Yeah, I just don't think he wanted to potentially burn a reliever for what was it one out there in the third inning? That seemed a little a little excessive, especially in this do or die game where you're going to need all hands on deck. He wanted to probably end up getting with uh, through like the sixth inning or so with Gosman. It did not work out that way, but I. I actually agree with putting him in. I mean, he knew with the situation coming into the game. He was ready to start. Uh, he had plenty of time to get loose, and it just didn't work out. And even though I say that, he did have a one, two, three, fourth. So it's not like he was completely awful on the evening.
0: Yeah, I mean, he wasn't good. Uh, Gosman, just for the record, two innings, two hits, two earned runs, two walks. Four strikeouts, 49 pitches, 25 strikes. He was not good, but he wasn't like completely disastrous either. He made a couple of big pitches. Um, You know, the the fourth inning was a one-two-three inning for Gosman. People, I think people have forgotten about that. He got it. He got he sort of breezed through an inning there. So there you go. Um, The fifth inning things got dicey there, and I will say, you know, Gosman Gosman issuing the leadoff walk in the fifth probably should have been the end of his night in, in retrospect um but you know he, he, he strikes out Walker Bueller because I think and it's probably because Bueller was um in the game that uh Gosman was still pitching then at least somewhat in the in that way and Bueller hits for himself strikes out trying to bunt um that was a gift from the Dodgers which is very nice but you know seconds later Chris Taylor bombs to left. Not a terrible pitch in retrospect, especially if you watch the replay. It wasn't, like, in a terrible spot. Taylor just put, you know, a great swing on it and bombs there. Um, you know, it's 5-4 at that point. Gosman got one more out, and then the next big decision was going to Freed. But, you know, would you make of that whole sequence, Gosman, did you think of him, did he stay in too long? Uh, would you make it going to Freed? Because, obviously, the Freed thing didn't really work out. But in the moment, I thought that was weird and tweeted as much, like, going to Freed for what was a, basically going to be one out because the um, – Braves. I think I think he was leading off the next inning. If if not if not leading off, he was going to be hitting next a second. I I don't have that in my notes, but free coming in as like a one, one batter reliever again. I know you mentioned that at the very top of the podcast. Really kind of bothered me. I don't really see the rationale in doing that. Um, I know he did it. Again. I know he did it again earlier in the series, but I just don't understand that decision.
1: Yeah, it's weird. Like, why are you using Freed, who's a long guy, in the situation where ideally you'd want to use Venters? I mean, was he was Snitker essentially saying, "Okay, I might need Venters in the seventh inning or the eighth inning to get a guy out instead I mean, of maybe the, instead of the fifth inning when it's five to four and your offense has been stagnant for the entire series minus one inning."
0: yeah i mean i, I said that, i said that at the time it was the perfect spot in my opinion to use venters venters is a pure situational lefty at this point he's still good in that role but you don't want him facing right hand and pitching really at all um that was a spot where you knew you were going to bring a guy in for essentially one batter against against the lefty i don't know why it wasn't venters um and again they won the game I, I get that before people start telling us that they won the game i understand that that was a decision that i did not like um and of course um Muncy bombs off of um, Freed, which I wouldn't have predicted a home run <laughs> with Freed against Muncy. The, like, the problem is, like, the process that I didn't like was, had less to do with, you know, hating Freed against Muncy. That's, that's not a bad matchup to have. Freed is good. But it was the, you're using a multi-inning guy in Freed to get one out when you have a guy who is designed to get one out. So we wouldn't, I don't think either one of us pr- would have predicted that Muncy would just hop all over a Max Freed curveball but, you know, the process was bad and the results were bad in that, in that one, I think.
1: Like, the funny thing is, like, the Dodgers kind of set up their lineup with four Newcomb on the mound. And then they kind of had to switch things kind of on a whirl when he got pulled so early. Like, they pinch hit with Muncie for David Freeze in the third inning. They kept Chris Taylor in, and he still hit the homer off of uh, – Go- was it Gosman that he homered off of? Yes, it was. Yeah, it was Gosman. And then they have Freedon and or uh, Muncy in, even though he didn't even start. He hits the homer off Freed, and somehow the Dodgers, like, stumble into this perfect situation for them where they are tied. The two long starter-type guys are out of the game – They have their best option off the bench now in the game. It's really just a good situation for them. And I'm really surprised that it didn't uh, result in any more damage.
0: Yeah, I would have, uh, in that moment at 5 5, I would have bet a considerable amount of money that the Braves were not going to win that baseball game. Um, I'm just, just to be honest with you, it did not feel like the Braves were going to win that game when they blew a five run lead, um, given the Dodgers had it set up and, um, you know, all that fun stuff. But obviously, we know that they did. Uh, the sixth inning got dicey. Um, the Braves did manage to escape from it. Matt Kemp lead, leads off with a ground rule double off Tukey Toussaint. Um, Cody Bellinger then rolls over grounder to move Kemp to third with one out. Um, and then one of the, one of the biggest plays of the day that's probably going to be forgotten at least in some ways is that Kiki Hernandez grounds out to short, and uh, Culberson delivers a strike to Suzuki, who blocks the plate, um, gets Kemp at the plate, and uh, erases that threat to uh, at least most of the degree. Tuki then did walk Grandal, um, Grandal, but. Um, Y- Yasiel Puig pinch hitting, um, even with his rever- even with his reverse splits, um, he takes a walk, and but they have finally get uh, they finally get out of there with a Chris Taylor ground out to end the inning. So, I mean the Culberson play kind of speaks for itself. It was a huge thing. That inning did get very dicey. You, we talked about Tukey earlier. Tukey didn't look great. I'll be honest about that. I mean he got through the inning, but um, it was not tu- Tukey's finest work. Um, credit to him though for battling through it. I guess.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'll put out the thing I've been saying for weeks now about workload with all these guys that have worked, thrown the most innings in their career. There's so many of them, including the, I believe, all four of the relievers not on the playoff roster that were so good this season. Two, he's another guy. He's He has had a long season, and I'm not sure how much he has left in tank. He did not look good tonight at all. I am st- stunned that he got out of that without giving up a run credit to him credit to Charlie Culberson who has not done much of anything at all at the plate so far in this series like the rest of the team but has capably filled in defensively at shortstop I know that's uh Dansby's biggest strong suit but Culberson has held down the fort pretty well there in my opinion
0: yeah I mean That was a big play. It wasn't like it was a super difficult play for a major league shortstop, but he made the play and then Suzuki did as well. Executing that was important because if they didn't do that, it would have got very dicey. Um... I guess, you know, moments later, they take the lead because Freeman bombs off Alex Wood, um, which is very interesting and you know, a lot of synergy there with, of course, Alex Wood being the former Brave, trade to the Dodgers, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It was the first pitch of the inning. I think probably, I'm sure somebody some people missed that because it was literally the first pitch of the inning. Um, but Freeman, with it wasn't the biggest swing of the day because that was Acuna, but the second biggest swing of the day was Freeman going yard there, and that was the last run that was scored. And by the way, this blew me away in some ways, but Freddie Freeman, that was his first postseason home run. Which isn't that crazy considering how long the Braves have been out of the playoffs, but just kind of reading that in print was like, Oh, that's that's weird kind of.
1: Yeah, it was good for him to get a hit. He's like the rest of the team, he's been invisible for most of this series. So he comes up big in a big situation. He actually showed some serious emotion for once, which you don't see out of him too often. He's usually yeah, cool. a, he's usually a pretty stoic guy, so for him to uh kind of react like that was really cool. I was getting some uh Eric Hinsky flash Back yeah. from 2010. I was but, in the building uh, that yeah, night. Happy, that was a fun I'm, one. <laughs> I'm happy he's the one that did damage too.
0: Yeah, Freddie. I mean, and then after the game, we can we flash forward a little bit. Freddie did an interview after the game, and you could see that he was fired up and confident and smiling and doing definitely doing more than Freddie normally does in terms of just showing um, emotion. I think that's not really a knock on him. I've always I've always liked Freddie, um, but he's not that rah rah guy. He's definitely the 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 steady steadying influence kind of guy who's just awesome on the field, but he was definitely fired up there. It's it's the playoffs he should be. And um, by the way, that was also, in addition to being Freeman's first postseason home run of his career, that was the first homer allowed to a left-handed batter by Alex Wood this season, and Wood's thrown more than 150 innings this season. That was pretty crazy because... Uh, Wood had, I think he allowed 14 home runs on the year. They were all to righties, and that was the first one to lefties. So, um, you know, Freeman is kind of a freak in that he can hit left-handed pitching as well. But the odds of that happening were not super high. It was cool. I just want
1: to say how angry I am that the Dodgers have Alex Wood coming out of the bullpen in the sixth inning <laughs> in the yeah. NLDS.
0: He's like, he's like a thunder mean, throwaway guy. Yeah, it was pretty wild. I mean,
1: he would be like the Game 2 starter for the Braves, and the Dodgers, it's like, eh, we have like six better starters, kids to the bullpen.
0: Yeah, that's, the, that's why the Dodgers are very good. Um, <laughs> you know, the seventh inning was pretty... You know we mentioned Sabaka earlier. He was the story of the seventh inning, um, a one-two-three inning. I'm not sure he was that good. Uh, he actually gave, gave up some pretty good contact, but one-two-three, it was clean in the box score, and that works. And he his stuff is very very good. Um, the bottom half was quiet. Um, a really really bad plate appearance by Charlie Culberson to strike out without seeing a single strike. Uh, I think he I think he saw five pitches and they were all balls, and he and he swung at three of them, which is not what you want to see. Uh, and then Lucas Duda strikes out as well in his pitched appearance, and so did Ender Ciarte. So, um, yeah, the seventh wasn't much to write home about. The eighth, EJ um, Minter made things a little bit more difficult than they wanted to be. Uh, lead-off single against uh, Brian Dozier. They get a strikeout and then really missed kind of badly against uh, Kiki Hernandez, but Hernandez flew out deep to center and on a ball that was terrifying. Um, that I thought, I thought that, that pitch was gone, to be honest with you. Off the bat.
1: Yeah, that that and the chem crown rule double really both terrified me because yes. they were hit really well. And if that if either of these ga- if this game was happening, maybe I don't know, three hours earlier than it was, they are probably both doing more damage than they did.
0: Yeah, so that was fortunate. Minster didn't look great, just like a lot of guys in the bullpen, honestly. Um, but, you know, he got out of there. A four-pitch walk to ground all was ill-timed, but then he gets um, Puig to ground out to end it, and then the Braves go one, two, three in the bottom of the eighth. So sets up sort of the Vizcaino experience in the ninth with a 6-5 lead. Um, I, asked this th- I asked this hypothetical on Twitter, and I'm wondering what you thought. Basically, the choice there is to start the inning with um, – Minter, who didn't look great, uh, and have him face uh, Chris Taylor to lead off the inning, or go what to, what Snicker did, which was go to Vizcaino to face what they were almost certainly going to do, which is what they did, um, which was pinch hitting Jock Peterson. Would you rather have Minter against Taylor, uh, having just thrown an inning, or a fresh Vizcaino against Peterson? Because I think I would have done what Snicker did, but it wasn't a no-brainer for me.
1: Yeah, I think I would, I would have gone with Vizcaeno, especially since Taylor already had the homer earlier in the game. So, yeah. you know, he's kind of seeing the ball well. And, of course, Peterson is no slouch. I mean, he homered <laughs> in one of the earlier games, so he's not a bad hitter by any means. But I just think that with a fresh guy in Vizy, he might be able to uh, – take care of him easier of course it was a 10 pitch at bat with a single lined off the right field wall so it didn't exactly end well but
0: it did not but uh, that's you can't exactly
1: get too upset about the decision considering everything ended up ending okay
0: Yeah, the process was not bad there, I didn't think. And I I would say so if it was. I thought it was fine. Um, By the way, a really nice play by Nick Marcakis to play that ball off the wall perfectly and hold Peterson to a single. That was very useful in that inning. Um, So shouts to him. You know, I've I've been critical of his defense quite a bit. That was very well played by Marcakis and important at that time to not have a guy on second base. Um, Obviously, he got the second eventually because um, Justin Turner walked after – Vizzy was ahead 1-2 against Turner and then walked him. That really, really got um, dicey. And then Vizzy uh, goes down 3-0 to Muncie um, and then recovers. That, that was the biggest at-bat, obviously, of the entire sequence, honestly, was the 3-0 to Muncie comes back and strikes him out with a fastball, blows it by him with strike three. Um, Kurt Suzuki couldn't stop. You know, Things got really dicey again when Suzuki couldn't stop that wild pitch. With two, uh, I guess, on the strikeout pitch for to have the second out of the inning, Suzuki tried to backhand it, and that was bad. Um, Suzuki's not... A very good receiver that's something we kind of know at this point in time but um it didn't come back to bite him and uh, he did make a nice play on the um final at bat to not give up a wild pitch that could have been one so I guess we'll have to be balanced there and say that um Kurt did make a nice stop um moments later but the the one that allowed um the guys get to second and third was ill-timed and really was could have been hugely impactful because going from first and second to second and third there when you're up by one is just that's brutal honestly <laughs>
1: Oh yeah, I'm sitting there thinking after that wild pitch, I'm like, oh god, now a single is going to give them the lead, and I'm you just going, can't backhand so
0: that ball. Just, you can't do it. Throw your body. I'm in front just going
1: to start throwing up. But I do want to say that once he went three down to Muncie, I was terrified. I thought well, I thought I
0: thought, hit, I thought it was over. Honestly, pretty much. I, I thought know. he
1: was going to hit one off the chop house, and <laughs> yeah. I would have to like create a Max Muncie voodoo doll or something like that. Thankfully, Muncy decided to uh, wave at strike three at uh, it, just a great pitch by Vizzi. Perfect. And then the at-bats by Machado and Dozier were absolutely awful, and Vizzi ended up somehow escaping that complete mess that he walked himself into.
0: Yeah, not not ideal for Vizcaino. I, we, we talked about this a little bit earlier, but Vizc- Vizcaino did throw – uh I believe, yeah 31 pitches which is uh seriously a mess but he got out of it and that was the end of the game I mean going on the lineup of the Dodgers like it's impossible that the Braves won this game uh, at least ha- I mean if you're talking about three game sample if you look at some of these some of these slash lines from the whole series Chris Taylor has an 1800 OPS um Peterson has about a 1200 OPS Turner over a thousand Muncie 1500 OPS Kemp at a thousand exactly there's one player on the Braves roster that has more than a 584 OPS in the series, and it's and it's uh, Acuna. Everybody else is 584 OPS or worse. And what, 584 OPS, and that's just the easy stuff. Obviously, there's um, better numbers than OPS, but that's the easy one you, to, you, you can calculate with, with this kind of small sample. That is unbelievable, honestly. There's I mean, Acuna is not, I mean, he's been very good, but uh, he's at 969, so that's nice. Everything else, <laughs> it's impossible to be this bad at the plate and, and actually have won a game in this series. Uh, mm-hmm. Ncarte N- has a 200-200-200 slash line. Marquecas has been brutal. He's uh, He has uh, yeah 100, 182 100 Camargo has not reached base in the series. He's been absolutely brutal. Suzuki, 143-143-143. He basically has one single. Albies, same thing. He's 200-200-200. Culberson... Um, very bad, uh, a, a sub-400 OPS. Like, How do they even have a win in this series? To put the team's
1: overall OPS in context, on the season, Ryan Flaherty had a 590 OPS.
0: And that is better than everyone on the roster right now, uh, except for Ronald Acuna. So. That's,
1: the, the Braves still only had four hits tonight. They scored six runs, but they only had four hits, and those four hits came in two innings, the second and the sixth. And, so two of them, and, like two, of, and
0: two of them led to five runs. Two hits to five runs. It's not That's like there was
1: traffic it was. on base all night. They were really not doing much of anything. It almost kind of reminded me a little bit of uh, game one, that that second inning in game one where faulty had two outs, 0-2, hits the guy, walk, three-run bomb yep. game. No the bad. Braves loaded the bases with one hit, then uh, Acuna hits the Grand Slam after Newcomb walks. It's 5-0. Five, five but unlike the Braves in Game 1, the Dodgers did not just lay down. They came out and made it a game and made us all extremely nervous.
0: Yeah, I mean, just to drill down a little bit further, um, the combination of Marquegas and Camargo in the series, they're, they are now 1 of 22 with a walk. Um, that's just two guys were. It, those are highlighted more because they have more played appearances. They they've been hitting at the top of the lineup. Uh, obviously, they were four or five in this game, but they had been two and four in the first two games. Not that any, not that most guys have been that much better, but to get basically nothing from you know two of your top five hitters in all three games is really brutal. Camargo just looks lost. I mean, he's had a great year. He's been one of the breakout I guess stories of the season. Is just how good he's been. But some of the guys who You've seen ticket bats in the series that have not done particularly well, have it, haven't looked terrible in doing so. You know, Albis hit the ball hard a couple of times, NCRT has a couple of singles, nothing spectacular, but Camargo, especially, and then Marquecas as well, just have not looked good in the series, and Camargo is now, I think he's O of 12, and it feels worse than O of 12. It's one of those, like, they're going to need something from some of these guys. It can't, be, it can't only be Acuna and Freeman if they're going to try to you know, get, get, get this thing back to Los Angeles as good as Ronnie and Freddie are. Somebody's going to have to do something else.
1: And because of the roster construction, I mean, you're essentially looking at okay, if you want to bench Camargo for a day, you're starting Ryan Flaherty. It's not, not happening. I
0: mean, there, that's the thing. There's there is no option. I mean, people have been quick to kind of, uh, I think they might be joking to some extent, but like people are suggesting to me like moving Freddy to third base. I'm like they're not going to do that. I'm sorry, no, um,
1: not not in the playoffs. That I was joking
0: would... about. I mean. I will say they used Flaherty in the fifth inning today as the first pinch hitter. Um, so if something had happened to any infielder after that, they would have had to go to Freeman at third base because then you would have had to put some, you would have put Camargo somewhere else and play Duda because they didn't have another infielder. Like they don't have another infielder on the roster right now. There's there's one guy who's played infield on the roster that's that's not starting, and they used Flaherty first, which I was okay with because it wasn't a high leverage spot but that just kind of speaks to the lack of depth on the roster and Rene Rivera, 3 games, no appearances.
1: I mean, it's okay. They have three catchers. Nothing matters anymore.
0: Um, yeah. I mean, I know I've been ranting about that probably too much, but to carry a guy who you're just not going to play, like and you know you're not going to play him is insane. But
1: I'm like, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love Lane Adams and everything he brings to the team, but like he's your fourth outfielder and you're like essentially saying, "Okay, you're my pinch runner." Okay, I mean,
0: cool. at least at least they would have the the ability slash willingness to use Lay Adams as a pinch hitter. They don't want to, but they at least would do that. Whereas, for instance, the Dodgers entered this game tonight with neither Jock Peterson nor Yossiel Puig starting. <laughs> Brian Dozier came I mean- off the bench for the Dodgers tonight. <laughs> I mean
1: Musey wasn't starting either, oh, I and know, but at least,
0: at, least, at least that was a pure platoon thing i just, I just mean in the outfield only like um, but yeah, I mean in general, I think the tweet um I can't remember who sent it now now I'm gonna be mad at myself, but um i, I retweeted now I'm, I'm trying to oh it was Steven. it was Steven from walk off walk um and MOB daily dish, but um he tweeted uh that going into the game tonight, the five guys off the Dodgers bench, the five guys off the Dodgers bench tonight starting. Uh, The guys that were not starting in the lineup for the Dodgers had more combined home runs, those five guys, than the Braves' best five home run hitters this season. Their bench five had more home runs than the Braves' best five, which includes Acuna, which includes Freeman. The Dodgers' reserve five had more home runs for the season than the Braves' best five. That is insane. And And
1: for the record, the Dodgers did only bring two catchers
0: why wouldn't they bring, okay, anyway i can't do this again and they have and they
1: and they haven't used their backup catcher at all
0: and you know the braves were always going to use their backup catcher because they have because he's their best pinch hitter in most spots you know flowers and suzuki are the best right-handed bats i get that anyway i don't want to do the rant uh yet again but that just kind of speaks to the fact that the dodgers are better than the braves top to bottom but because it's baseball you can win a game and we saw that tonight so all that to say um okay so let's We've covered everything that happened tonight. Do you have any more takes on anything that transpired in this game before we, before we look ahead to some big-picture stuff before we uh, get out of here? I mean, I, we, we kind of covered it all, I think, decision-wise.
1: Yeah, I think, I, I think we hit just about everything from the game that I really don't want to relive anymore just because it's so painful, man. Oh, I but... will
0: say one more thing. Sorry. I, 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 I led you astray. It does look bad in retrospect, um to have hit ryan flaherty in a game where neither lane adams nor tyler flowers made an appearance in the game
1: well i mean you can't use tyler flowers because he's your backup catcher that you actually want to use
0: <laughs> but you know what i mean like i'm not even trying to go down that road that road again but uh, i know why they use flaherty in that spot it was so early that you don't want to burn a guy in a leadoff spot you know they don't have i, I get all that that's probably the time you want that you want to use flaherty um you know the low probably the lowest leverage pinch hitting spot of the game. With that said, it does not look good to use him and not Tyler Flowers in a baseball game.
1: I mean, on the bright side, at least he didn't like, you know, use a uh, pitcher to pinch hit because he might end up needing all the pitchers he can get.
0: Uh yeah, I mean it would not have um not so much this time around, but I, I argued briefly the other night that maybe they should have pinch hit for Fultonevich with Tehran, when they used Fultonevich because they didn't want they clearly didn't want to be, if 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 uh, Snicker decided that he didn't want to use a pinch hitter, they could have just used Tehran, who's a much better hitter than Fultonevich. I, I wouldn't have liked that Russian now, but it would have been better than what they actually did, which was letting Fulton hit for himself and then removing him. Uh, Fulton is one of the worst hitters in the entire league. Um, among pitchers so if you were going to do that you could have just used Tehran Um, but alas that's a small advantage they could have they could
1: have done the same thing with Newcomb tonight because the broadcast was saying that Newcomb is the very worst hitting pitcher in baseball yeah Newcomb and Fulte
0: are like legendarily bad hitters Um, I, I totally get that in that spot you have to pinch hit, in my opinion. I, I, will, I will go down with the ship on that one because it was bases loaded. It was a clearly a high leverage situation. You needed to score there. Um, you hadn't scored a run in the series. It was time to hit for him there. But, um, yeah, I mean, at the very least, you could have used whoever your best pitcher. I mean, Te- I, I'm saying Tehran because, A, he's a better hitter, and because, B, he hasn't pitched in the series. <laughs> so, And if you weren't going to use him in Game 4 as your starter, which they're not going to do now, as we can see, has not. is on this roster and is not going to be used in the series probably at this point, which is kind of, again, bad. You're going to have Tehran and Rivera not used in the entire series if things go like remotely according to plan, which is wild.
1: It's a really weird situation because there's any one of those four relievers that could have been used instead of Tehran. There's, uh, I mean, I, I guess he could have put someone like Adam Duval on the roster instead of Rivera, but,
0: oh, man. No, I, yeah, I mean the, the decision in retrospect for Rivera is basically Rivera versus Duvall versus like Rio Ruiz, like that's basically the decision. Whatever, I get it. Um, but anyway, like I, I am, I am interested to see. No one will probably ask this or care about this. This, this, this is the process stuff that just bugs me. But if you weren't going to use Tehran as a starter in the series, why is he on the roster? Because Tehran's yeah, a guy you're not exactly. going to use as a reliever. He's not, he does not have a reliever profile. So unless you were just dead bang set on starting him in a game, why is he on the team? That's my question.
1: I honestly cannot answer that. I always thought he would end up getting at least – I thought he was going to be the guy in game four. But... I mean,
0: I, and and to, to be at least somewhat fair to the decision makers, whether it be Snicker or Anthopolis, I, I assume or at least I think that – if either Fulty had gone deeper in Game One, and/or if the Braves were up two-one, you might have seen Tehran in Game Four. So, like, I think maybe they were planning to use him in Game Four. But now, Fulty didn't throw many pitches in Game One, and you're down two-one. But they probably should have thought about that as an option. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, I mean, I'm gonna give them the benefit of the doubt and say that I I think that they probably thought that Tehran was gonna start Game Four before the series started.
1: Yeah, and they've also used Nukem twice, once in relief, once as a starter. So he's probably not an option at all. And he's definitely. Maybe not game, I mean, he's he, 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 he probably going game
0: five, but yeah, not not tomorrow. He's not pitching tomorrow. Yeah. So um, you're
1: looking at the situation where if Fulte gets knocked out again early, uh, you kind don't of. don't have a guy to, anymore. Yeah, because you, you kind of have to go with Tehran, and that could end up being a nightmare
0: yeah and that's that's a good point. we should at least mention that I think you you know that's probably enough to cover it but they've now and you know they we made a big deal they were cu- they, they were gonna carry seven starting pitchers on the roster for that kind of purpose but right now the only guys that you have to go multiple innings for wow. Monday's wow. game are Fulty and Tehran. I can't imagine they're gonna ask any of the other starting college pitchers to go multiple innings in that game um after the way that the first, game, I mean, maybe Annibal is going to go multiple. Maybe is it is it throw day for is it day for Annibal? Maybe that's maybe that's what I'm thinking in my head. Could they go to could they Could they go to Anibal Sanchez and then just decide that they're going to pitch? God knows who in game five. I don't know. I mean, that's the, that's the other option is no. I mean, if they don't want to, if they really don't want to use Tehran, they go to Annibal. But you have to have somebody to start game five. It's you know, it's probably going to be Newcomb. I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do honestly. And to be fair, you have to manage this next game. Just as you did this one, as if this is your season, because it is. And worry about what about the rest later. So that would be the argument for going to Annabelle. Would be that look, you got to win tonight, and maybe you trust him more than Julio. I think you clearly do at this point because you started him in the series, and you and you haven't pitched Julio. But that's a decision that they hopefully do, do not have to make, because faulty getting knocked out early would be really bad.
1: Could you imagine if they somehow get through this game four, and then have to go back to LA for Game Five against Kershaw again? against Kershaw again and
0: with uh without Faulty. Um so with you're talking about the
1: nose starting a bullpen that's probably going to end up being gassed.
0: I mean you you get the day off which is nice. You you do get you get you you get Tuesday off which they're going to need and maybe you think you know the guys who went long like Gosman who went two innings tonight maybe Freed has Freed with two days off might be able to go again um on Wednesday which is what it would be for game five so maybe you have it wouldn't be a fresh bullpen but maybe you have some guys who who have just had two days off and might be able to go again but yeah it's it's not gonna be faulty so you get through game four and regardless you have Clayton Kershaw against a starting pitcher that isn't Mike Fultonavich and that means the Dodgers are heavy favorites which we know already but it's just worth saying out loud
1: Folty's got to. I, I said at the beginning, fulte has got to go at least six tomorrow if the Braves want any chance of getting through this.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. And on the other side, I would still argue that if he doesn't have it, you got to get him out of the game. So it's it's a delicate spot, and that you need innings, but you also can't afford to manage like a regular, like like it's a regular season game and leave him out there if he doesn't have it. So. Um, I would. I don't envy. I don't envy Brian Snicker at the moment. He's going to have some decisions to make. I think on Monday um, afternoon and evening, and we'll talk about them. Um, but the easiest thing that would bail him out and bail the whole team out is if Fulte is Fulte in capital letters. But he wasn't that in the opener, so we'll see what he has now. I mean, he didn't. He didn't throw many pitches, which is on the bright side. But he's also on short rest for the first time all season, so we'll see.
1: Man, this is really just a harrowing situation because you're looking at all of this and everything this team has accomplished and it's really just going to come down to how much gas is left in the tank which I mean it sucks but that's baseball and uh yeah and by the way I mean I'm I'm not looking forward to the reactions if things go south
0: sure but I mean I I, it's, it's me and you talking and we're both um similar in our thinking in a lot of ways we should at least say out loud so people don't accuse us of anything else it's a good problem to have because they won this game tonight. The season could have easily ended about an hour ago, um, and it didn't. So, you know, all credit to the Braves for getting this win. You know, it has to be said that they're still a uh, huge underdog to win this series because they have to win two more games, including the aforementioned Game 5 on the road against Clayton Kershaw, but they're still alive in the series. So they won, they won a game, they scored a run. That I mean, coming in, it was like we, we were kind of kidding, but scoring a run was – a win tonight because after the first two games it was like we were again mostly joking but there was a there was a world in which they got shut out three games in a row like that was on the table coming into the oh yeah
1: and we're we're talking about tomorrow slash today we're not talking about april which i mean at this point in the season it's all you can really ask for right
0: absolutely and by the way i said this on yesterday's podcast um oh and by the way apparently um Yep. That's what we thought. So uh, I'm sorry. I'm reading Twitter. And as we live talk here, uh, some of the guys who were at the press conference are saying that Julio Tehran is available in the bullpen and they kind of made a point to say that. So I think he might be the guy that we see um, if Fulte cannot go a long way on Monday <sighs> afternoon, which is not, again, not a surprise. Uh, Tehran is fresh. Um, I would point out that for me, he would only be the guy that I went to if Fulte couldn't get through three and, um, if if you just need like a guy to go three innings, then it's got to be Tehran. I understand that. But if Fulton gets you into the fifth or sixth, then you just need to skip. You need to skip over Tehran. That's that. That'd be my opinion. Would you agree with that? Because I think it's a situation where you only go to him if you need multiple innings. Like probably. Yeah, he
1: would, he would be my guy to uh, stretch the game out. Not necessarily the guy to be used to uh, just get outs. He would be the guy that I would put in there to soak up innings and just either keep the game close or hold a lead of one run by the skin of your teeth for a few innings. He's not the guy I would go to like they used freed tonight or uh, like they used Tukey tonight or guys like that just for an inning or a third. I would not do that. Yeah, I would. If I put in Tehran win, lose or draw, it would be for at least two innings.
0: Yep, I totally agree. Uh, using him si- situationally would not be a good idea. And it's Rich Hill for the Dodgers. Um, so we'll see what happens there. Rich Hill is a guy who could be incredible and also has a history of kind of blowing up and also has that blister. And Rich Hill's a pretty high variance pitcher. So a lot of outcomes on the table. Like it would not blow anybody away if we if we were just talking about the scenario where uh, Tehran is asked to go multiple innings. That's a spot where like it's four to three in the third. And Foley doesn't have it, but you're not getting blown out. and You just got to kind of hold the line. That's a spot where you might need um, Tehran's work. And maybe, and listen, I will say this about Julio. He's not the guy who profiles as a playoff anchor kind of guy at this point in time. But he had some moments this year where he was very good. Um, especially late in the season, he had some really nice starts. I think a lot of that, you know, if he could just throw strikes, it would be helpful. Like his his, his opponent batting average is like, you know, legendarily low, like lowest sense Maddox, you know, that conveniently ignores all of the home runs and walks, but there are nights when he has it and it'd be nice to have that aligned if he has to be used.
1: Yeah, I mean, he, in his last start of the season against the Mets, he went six innings and allowed one run, which I would take in a heartbeat. But then, you (laughs) know, as we all know, he has the meltdown potential as well. So, I mean, you really have to take the good with the bad. You'll see what happens with him. and, And with Rich Hill going, I mean, he's another guy like that that can shut a team down for six, seven, eight innings, or he could just get blown out. And with we'll the see. way this series is going, <laughs> I mean, if that crowd gets loud, if Hill starts missing his spots, who knows?
0: Yeah, Things I will say uh, they've not listed this yet. I'm, I was looking for Vegas odds; they're not they're not available yet. I am um, expecting this to be the the most narrow spread of the week. You know, Vegas odds aren't everything, but they're often instructive. The Dodgers have been at least minus one sixty favorites in every game in the series. I think it's gonna be a lot closer on uh, on Monday because you have the Braves' best pitcher in Fulty versus Rich Hill, who is, by all accounts, the f- not the best pitcher from the Dodgers. In fact, he's their fourth best pitcher in the rotation because of how good Ryu's been and bueller has been. So you have your, on paper, your best pitching matchup of the series. Um, granted, it's Fulty on short rest, but, you know, just names and performance recently give me Fulty versus Rich Hill. That's pretty much the best case scenario. So, And at home and all that fun stuff. I know the Braves have been better on the road than at home this year, but you still want home, home field advantage as we saw tonight. So giddy up, and we'll do this thing um, for sure. Uh, well, Joe, please share any, any other takes that you have. We've gone longer than, we, than, we've been, than we've been going on the podcast, probably because it was a win and it's more fun to talk about wins. But uh, if you have any more takes, fire them off. And if not, please tell people where they can find your stuff. I know you're on the podcast semi-regularly, but people should be following your work as well.
1: I mean, all I really want to say is like this season has been so amazing and magical and fun. And even if the Braves go out in four or five in the division series, we shouldn't take that as a failure and an indictment on the season. Nobody expected this team to get this far. No one expected this team to like win tonight and do what they did. And, you know, we should just kind of take everything at face value and appreciate the season as it was and coming from me who is an eternal pessimist that says a lot
0: <laughs> yeah i mean i think people think that think of me that way as the eternal pessimist but i know you and i kind of think similarly on most things but that's well said i, I would echo that to be sure we'll have a podcast on monday evening regardless win or loss i've, I've been saying that that'll, that'll be the game podcast if it is a loss We will talk about the game and we'll save the big picture stuff for later we'll have the whole off season to talk about next year and all that stuff i see all your all your mailbag questions that you're sending me about free agency and stuff i promise we'll hit all all of that between now and april but um for now monday's podcast will be here i will do it it probably won't be immediately after the game um, because of my other commitments but by the time you wake up on tuesday morning there'll be a podcast i promise and uh otherwise we'll talk about the game Thank you, Joe. I really appreciate it, man. Uh, we'll do it again very, very shortly, hopefully. And if nothing else, we'll talk in the offseason because there's some fun stuff to talk about then too, but we'll just wait on that until then.